0: everybody and welcome back to the latest episode of the Invest podcast. I am your host and financial analyst here at Inves, Dan Ashmore. Today we're going to talk uh, crypto and specifically DeFi, decentralized finance. Uh, for this week's show, we have Oz Rabinovich, who is the co-founder of Archimedes Finance. How are you doing today, Oz? Thanks for coming on the show.
1: Yeah, all great. Thank you. Happy to be here.
0: Uh, so. Let's start with DeFi before we get specifically into what you do and what Archimedes does, because um, I know there's been some recent events. Uh, what to you is DeFi?
1: DeFi is basically way to do financial transactions that are all relay on code and no inter- there's no person or people involved in it. So right now, if you want to let's say, you know, send someone money, and if you do it through the bank. Okay, there is some person or entity involved in the middle. Um, for me, the way I see DeFi or decentralized finance is basically do it through code or smart contracts. And this is basically that most of them were audited. And this is decentralized finance for me. So it's a way basically that there is no middleman.
0: Yeah, so it's it's a pretty, pretty seductive image. I always think when, when people are used to fees and all the inefficiencies that come with the uh, conventional centralized system. So uh it's easy to see how it's kind of captured the imagination of so many people. And you know, we we DeFi summer of, of 2020, um, you know, crypto kind of as a whole exploded in 2020 and 2021. And since then, like the environment's definitely changed somewhat. And specifically with DeFi, uh I, I think it's it's interesting because the interest rate environment is obviously so key to it because everybody is in DeFi or not everybody, but uh yield is such a component to DeFi so it's interesting to see how it has changed. Um but you guys are in the the heart of the fire uh, with Archimedes so so w- what exactly does Archimedes do?
1: Yeah so we are lending boring marketplace um uh, so I'll try to simplify it there are two type of uh let's say players one is liquidity providers which you think about it as people that are looking for this I yield savings account they provide us with funds and in return, they're gonna get, hopefully, like high yield returns. Let's say nowadays we're gonna launch, so we foresee it like for the first week and the first few weeks, it's gonna be somewhere between twelve to fifteen percent uh, in return. So this is one side basically of the marketplace, and then on the other hand, you have people that wants to borrow those funds, and we allow people to borrow those funds and to take basically leverage on blue chip AAA bonds in DeFi. So they can basically leverage, you know, things that make like 3 to 4% in DeFi, but with us, they can make 10x. So this way they can get 30 to 40% return. So we take funds from basically people that are looking for this idle savings account to people that are looking for maybe something a bit more risky, um, but looking for higher yield. And we're kind of in the middle. And as an infrastructure, we, we take a small fee, uh, but most of the fees go back from the leverage stickers into the liquidity providers.
0: Okay, so th- there's quite a lot to, uh, to unpack here when we get into it. Um uh, so firstly, it's obviously the the, the yield is it, it, it jumps out, like, I mean, starting at 12 to 15% is huge, even even when I say, uh, even when I mentioned like that, the interest rate environment has, has come up a bit, like, you know, the, the Fed funds right out there, if, if you want to take that as a benchmark is like, it's 4.75% or so right now. Uh, so 12 to 15 percent is obviously a huge markup where and and, and this is, is kind of an important question, I guess, but one that was overlooked a lot over the last couple of years in crypto is where specifically does the yield. So you, you kind of went into the high level details of it there, but like how are investors getting this 12 to 15 percent here? Like what are borrowers paying? Like where, where does the yield come from?
1: Yeah, so. First, before like how we got into the yield, like we wanted two two things that are really important for us: that it will be sustainable and real yield, that it's not like twelve percent that's coming out of nowhere. Um, and the second thing we wanted it will be competitive because, as you mentioned, nowadays you can probably get with almost no risk like five to six percent, especially like in the U.S. And then if you don't get like much higher return in DeFi, we don't see that there is a real value. Uh, so this is how we came up, like, thing about it. And now going back to your question, basically, how deal is coming? So basically, we're charging kind of like large fees, upfront fees from leverage takers. So if someone wants to take leverage and in this environment, if you can get 10x on something that make 4%, you can make 40% return. So we come and say, hey, Dan, you want to take this leverage position and I want to take it and Dennis wants to take it and Rafa and, you know, 50 different people wants to open this position, maybe more. There's a lot of demand for this leverage. Um, so say, okay, who's willing to pay the most? So we basically do an auction where we say, hey, it's a Dutch auction. Who's willing to pay the most in order to get the leverage? And maybe right now the protocol that we allow you to leverage make 4%, but you're a big believer in DeFi and you think that in the future it's going to make 5 6 maybe 10%. And then if you could do 10x on 10%, gonna make 100% return, so probably in this auction you're willing to pay more than someone else. Uh, so basically, the most optimistic people are going to pay large fees, and those fees will go to the people that will basically uh, be the 12 to 15% that we project. And then okay, top of it we have some other fees. So I don't know how how deep we want to get in. I can.
0: Well, I, I, I want to talk about like so, so. And do you think there is going to be a market for borrowers paying? That amount to take out funds.
1: Yeah, because first of all, if you can get 10x on, let's say something that makes four or five percent nowadays, you can make 40-50% with basically like limited risk or like almost no risk in the DeFi world. It's something really appealing because in the environment that we have right now in DeFi, there aren't many places that are safe, uh sustainable with like transparent team, good audits that can make you more than 5%. So we see a lot of, um, basically, members, customers that are looking for those 50%. And you say, okay, 50% is good. Maybe you're also comfortable with 20%. And then you say, okay, I'm willing to pay this extra 30% up front, but at the end of the day, I'll get 50 and I'm left with 20. So this is kind of like the the game theory that we have here in Archimedes that we hope that there are people that are optimistic, they would they would be willing to pay a lot and as a result liquidity providers uh can get this 12 to 15 percent yield
0: okay that i i see where you're getting at and i guess like just to, to play devil's advocate I, i'm kind of thinking like um like have, have yields in DeFi world not like collapse like are we not seeing so obviously like during the bull run we saw them up at 20 percent kind of quite regularly and then recently like they were down as low as one to two percent like how are people let's say these borrowers um, who will come to Archimedes and take out funds and you know pay a, a 20% yield or whatever. How are they going to turn that? Like you said, there were lots of opportunities. Could you elaborate on like, what exactly these borrowers are using these funds for?
1: Yeah, so they use it to borrow uh, basically yield bearing tokens. So not sure how people are familiar. Let's say there are other protocols that some of them are like edge funds. You give them their, your funds and they manage it on the different like DeFi um, protocols. And those makes, let's say, around 3 to 4%. And they're really, let's say, really safe or like blue chips. They're around for like many years, never got DPEG or, or always keep their value at one and kept the returns. There are other protocols, let's say, like synthetics or liquidity that have some real yield because people using, let's say, synthetics, people are betting on some futures in DeFi, they need to pay fees um uh, they need to use uh, like synthetic uh, tokens and because of it there are some yields around it so basically this is what we allow people to leverage it's like those blue chips triple a bonds that uh, making return
0: okay I see and uh let's talk about the, the macro environment for a little bit because um like you, you say like okay so w- when you're launching now and it'll be like 12 to 50 projected for the first week uh this is obviously a huge yield uh it would have been even bigger though comparatively last year when you know we we'd zero percent interest rates in, in the wider economy and now that the fed has raised rates up to close to five percent have you noticed like that there's less demand in DeFi that people are maybe looking at the risk reward relationship as not as attractive as it once was, and they're saying, "Okay, I might take the five percent." Like, is that a challenge? And and obviously, we're kind of expecting interest rates like they're not going to stay here forever. And um, the current projection is even like well, we'll start cutting in the second half of 2023. But it, it, have you noticed any any drop off there with with the change in this this relationship?
1: Yeah. So first, you can just look at the data, like the amount of TVL locked in DeFi dropped. I of think course. from more than 100 billion to like less than 30 billion. Um, The second you have the regulation that like if family offices or more institutional money came and look for this like seven, eight, nine, ten percent after now if they can get six percent outside and on top of it, everything that happened with centralized exchanges plus Luna, it's kind of like even though DeFi, like I think is the best place to be, but CFI created a bad name uh, for crypto in general for DeFi. Uh, and, and DeFi and as a result, basically yeah, much less money is attracted and within it because let's say similar protocols or like our competitors that launched maybe two years ago, or maybe for if it was in DeFi summer, they grew their liquidity from like zero to almost 5 billion in you know less than three, four months. And if you ask me what's our projections are much, much more uh, conservative let's say this way yeah and we completely feel it that there is less liquidity out there in the market
0: yeah i I mean it makes sense like like you said it's gonna pull back in not just crypto like the the economy as a whole that is kind of what interest rates are designed to do you know to pull liquidity out of the market and especially when you're trying to rein in the inflation to the extent that we've seen um and, and and like let's talk about like the the reputational hit a little bit like if you notice that as well so obviously we've seen that the tvl drop and the capital gone from the space but these players like ftx like made such mainstream news uh do you think that's kind of i I don't want to say you're a pair but you think the the hit to crypto's reputation and therefore its ability to attract new capital in has been damaged like in the long term out of that or do you think it's just a bump on the road
1: so you know i'm I'm in crypto for a while already i've seen like even other like similar entities going under. Um I think it's good in the long term because or it will bring regulation to centralized finance. Uh that's one. And the second thing it might bring more basically people into DeFi because they understand okay, my keys, my kind of like funds or my tokens. And if it's not your keys, not your tokens. Yeah. Um, so I feel in the long run it will only do good things because okay, not many people learned. They're probably like put their money maybe in like hard wallets and not into some centralized finance. So uh, I think in the overall, it's really good. On the short term, it's really bad because there are many funds that got hit. And I think that like, we're still going to see the impact like in the next few months. We, we did hear about all the companies that's gonna go under or there are many companies that still need to deal with it.
0: Yeah, I, we, we've seen like how long, I guess the contagion can spread out before when, when we saw the like Saloon and stuff. So. Yeah, I, I guess you you could you could be right there. Um, but it is interesting, like when you say that DeFi did go under and this is always a point I kind of stress as well is that these were all I mean, Luna was DeFi, but that was more a broken model rather than anything. But like all the rest of the firms, you know, your Celsius is your uh, FDX is like this was all centralized finance so in a way. It's kind of like like DeFi was stress test to the max and everything went soundly. like, yes, there's been a massive outflow of TVL and, um, you know, tokens have all fallen and everything. But in terms of like things going as it, like everything went as it was planned, you know, liquidations happened on chain, exactly how it was programmed. So, you know, from that sense, it, it was kind of a nice pro for DeFi. Obviously, you are then fighting a, the, the other negative uh, headwinds, I guess, that, that we're talking about. Um, So, like, what about the timing? Like, you guys have just launched this week, like your, your liquidity pool on Curve. Um, Why did you choose to launch now?
1: Yeah, so Actually, yeah, that's great. We're just launching the pool today. So it's as we speak, kind of like the pool is live, uh, which is some good alpha. Um, and we chose to do now because actually for our protocol, it can be actually super beneficial uh, because let's say now we offer 12 or 15% uh, in return to, to people that provide us funds. If you would launch one year ago, maybe two years ago, you would have to, as you mentioned, like to bring yield of like 20%, 25%. So best time to build is during winter. Uh, we want to be the leverage protocol that like all the protocols going to use in order to take leverage, similar to what Curve did uh, to stable coins. This is the basically the central place or the decentralized place uh, to do swaps of uh, stable coins. So if we start to build now, we do some, uh, we're gonna have a lot of network effect. Uh, we hope that, you know, in the next summer, which, I hope will come soon um basically we'll be the one on top that kind of like everyone will use leverage to if they're willing to
0: yeah i i, I guess like leverage has kind of become almost a dirty word given what we've seen in the last year so um <laughs> but yeah like like you say like once another summer comes macro environment softens a little bit uh things will start to look very different and uh you know, crypto is definitely no stranger to it, to its ups and downs. Um, is, is it like, so it's obviously super exciting launching, uh, and I presume this is the culmination of a lot of hard work. Like how, how long did you guys work on this for?
1: So officially we started a company like more than a year ago, but we started to work on it even a few months before. Uh, but me and my co-founder, were in the DeFi space for a while. And especially like in stable coins. Um, so we even like have our own stable coin fund before. So after being a while, we just realized what are the biggest pain points of users. And this is how we came up with Archimedes. Uh, so we saw there is no transparent leverage taking protocol. Uh, you would never know what are the fees. Most of the leverage protocols uh, basically make most of the money from liquidations of the users. And we actually wanted our incentives to be aligned with the users. So no liquidation, this is not how we make money uh so yeah we're working for more than a year team of like 12 people like super amazing hard-working uh 12 people and yeah we're trying to having fun during this process because yeah lunch is a it's an exciting time but also a bit stressful so it was a good year. yeah
0: gee that's a that's a pretty lean team only 12 of you and that's impressive uh and, and is it is it like quite intimidating to launch like i, I guess it's, it's intimidating anyway to launch is it particularly intimidating when like DeFi's pulled back uh, like I, I suppose this was probably would have probably been easier like two years ago is it? uh was it like did it take extra courage i guess to to launch in the current climate
1: yeah for sure it's harder and you know many times I ask myself hey why did i leave my web to job uh you know and have all this uh but at the end of the day i think like yeah that, that's the right thing to do and it's like st- like in the early days of the internet. I think that's the early days of DeFi. So I think it's actually the most exciting times to build. Um, so yeah, we- we're having a lot of time and a lot of great time.
0: Okay. And, and, and you guys are, you're running on Ethereum. Uh, so why did you choose that? Did you, did you consider other blockchains or was it, was it always Ethereum? I, I know it's the home of DeFi, but was there what was your thought process yeah. there?
1: So we considered like also going on others and I'm coming from consulting. so we did like the, this two by two metrics and mm-hmm. we just try to understand, okay, where is the most liquidity? Uh, because this right. is, this is the blood. This is what, you know, the, the red yeah. side, this is what moves everything. And right now, most of the liquidity, if not all of it is kind of like on Ethereum. Uh, so this is why we chose this as focus. Uh, but in the future, we for sure see us going like cross chain. And again, the way we'll choose it is, um, most of it is like where where the liquidity is where's the right where's the right place to play
0: yeah it's it's hard to argue with that answer um and I guess one day the hope or I suppose it's probably inevitable eventually that it will be an interoperable future but yeah like you say right now I mean I'm just looking at the TVL now across all the chains and ethereum's at 60 odd percent um and it's always really been number one so it does like they because I know like me when I go on as like a retail if I'm like okay I want to play around in DeFi a little bit like for me the gas fees on ethereum are just so prohibitive did that ever give you pause or was it always just right they've been they've the best liquidity we're not even considering anything else we're gonna say the gas fees come down like I know we've got the Shanghai upgrade coming we've got a, a lot of different uh you, you know there was the merge last year like there's a lot, lot happening on ethereum uh are you concerned at all about the gas fees and and, and did you like think about that when you were launching
1: so I was really concerned probably, let's say, a year ago, two years ago. That's funny, transaction that I do today, like staking, unstaking things from Curve would cost me like a few hundred bucks, maybe thousands of dollars. And you always had to check, like, is there any NFT launch at the same time that you will not have yeah. like crazy gas fees? And actually, now we do a lot of tests and like, you know, we do some running and everything is like on mainnet. And, you know, some transaction that would cost you few hundreds to maybe like low thousands. Now this can cost you $10 or less. So I feel like the Ethereum team are doing amazing job and like while trying to reduce the fees. And the second thing is, you know, there's much less things happening, unfortunately, uh, but as a result, yeah, the gas fees, like we did tons of transactions uh, lately and nothing costs more than $20. Uh, which I know still for some users, like it's still a lot of money when you can do on, on some layer two or on some other chain to do the same thing for like 0.001 cent. Uh, but at the end of the day, we feel like $20, even though it can be high for some users, it's more acceptable and something that that we can live with. But for sure, it was a, a big concern if you if you would speak like two years ago or something like this, or when, when there is more like DeFi summer and, and NFT summer kind of.
0: Yeah, because I, I, I sometimes think, like, even when we say like $20, like, when you compare that to conventional finance or something, it, it's still like $20 is still a lot for, for like, whatever transaction it may be, that if you're doing a lot of them, it does build up, you know, if, if you're like, that hurts the bottom line, all these transaction fees. So uh, it is interesting from that point of view, like, I sometimes think we like benchmark to what Ethereum used to be during DeFi summer. And, you know, if, if crypto does pick up again, um, like the gas fees will probably rise in that regard. But I guess the hope is that long term, the the developers keep at it and the improvements keep coming. Um, but yeah, like you say the, the liquidity is there and that's kind of what you live and die by. Um, and, and just on that, like, do you, how are you going to attract liquidity? Like, do you have like big marketing plans or because, you know, DeFi, like we keep saying, it's all about liquidity. And if you can't attract liquidity, that's, that's a problem. So do you have a game plan there?
1: Yeah, so we have the game plan of, yeah, like marketing, if it's, uh, you know, some PR work, if it's marketing, if it's uh, try to get influencers speak about us, uh, but we try to do most of it organically. And then on top of it, our biggest, like, people in DeFi are smart. Um, The users are super smart, probably much smarter than me. And they just, you know, you can go to DeFi Llama or, like, other aggregator, and you can just, or you can go even to Curve, sort everything by APY, and we just hope that we will be like in the few of the top APYs pools and because of it, that a lot of liquidity will will go to us. So I think this is kind of like our main or go to market in, the first place, just, just offer a really good product. And I think that would speak for itself.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's it, the most important thing, I guess. Um, oh, oh, what about regulation? So we're seeing regulation come in, like regulators come in hard on centralized finance on the C5 side. Um, you know even just this week we've seen the Binance stablecoin yeah yeah which is was pretty crazy it looks like that's gonna have to wind down unless on, on, on uh something comes out last minute um and then like yeah so we're, we're seeing so, so like especially I, I feel like FTX kind of accelerated the whole thing you know that the SEC is now staring squarely at this thing in the face but DeFi is kind of interesting because you know the whole thesis behind it is that it's censorship resistant and it's kind of on its own island and you know it is it's decentralized yep. and, and that's one big benefit but then we saw you know if you look into the weeds and what actually drives DeFi, a lot of it is centralized stable coins and there are still massive centralized aspects of it and we, we saw this come out with the tornado story Um when was that a few months ago yeah. uh where you know you, you see the ofac regulations like do you think regulation going forward is going to have a greater impact on DeFi, or do you think that yeah what, what, what's your take here
1: yeah that's that's one of the things that uh Keeps me up at night. Uh, for sure, it's regulation <laughs> uh, because, for instance, us or like other protocols, we, we build on top of you know some foundation that let's say USDC, USDT, and Dai are kind of like you know the three CRV or like the basis of most of DeFi. Mm-hmm. If now USDC has an issue, it, it might be a big big problem to like our protocol, but to most of the ecosystem, uh, same thing if anything is USDT. Um, and yes, as we've seen what happens now with like Binance or like USD, it can happen like with many tokens and it, it can be a big issue. Uh, so I think in the short term, all the stuff like yeah, it's more, more of the roller coaster that we have in like the Web3 DeFi world that, you know, you've seen a lot like last year since 2020 or like even before it's just like roller coasters. Um, but I think... Long term, like okay. Now after BUSD, okay, maybe Binance will suffer from it, but it's good for the long run because probably the SEC or the regulators will come with like okay, if you want to be comp- comply with the uh, with the law, this is what you need to do, and then probably if it's centralized and even decentralized finance will come up with okay. So this is what we are doing, and now now the SEC cannot come after us. So I think it's all come to the same thing, like. To the same theme, like, hey, we're in winter. It's okay. Many things are not uh, the most positive, but in the long run, it's the best best thing that can happen.
0: Yeah, I, I think above all, I guess it's clarity that's clarity really exactly. needed. Um, you know, and even just the so, I think they're they're going after the Binance uh, stablecoin because of potential violations of securities law, and you know, it's, it's very hard to say what is a security or not. I, I, it's like nobody really knows. So. It, and it is kind of drawing back the whole space, and it, yeah, it's interesting that when you when you point towards USDC, and if there was a circle or if there was a problem, um, it's it's completely understandable that you're saying like it kind of keeps you up at night because these are massive central points of failure as decentralized the entire system is. It's still running on you know Circle and Tether, and if you look at the TVL, and the amount of TVL that's denominated in those two stables, like it's the entire ecosystem really. So it's more than hundred um, million, Yeah, yeah. So it's it's kind of crazy, and I guess there'll be. There'll be a lot of twists and turns along the way there um as for like the overall macro picture um so just just to finish up and, and, and talk on that like where do you see crypto in general going almost an impossible question answer um but yeah now that we're kind of so this is what, February, it's been a little softer to start the year, you know, inflation data has come down a little bit and the crypto market's kind of picked up accordingly. Uh, do you think that we'll get another massive bull market peak like we had with the pandemic hysteria, or do you think it'll be more level-headed going forward? What what, what do you think's next?
1: So I'm, I'm probably a bit biased. That's what I do all, all my life, and I'm a big believer. <laughs> um, yeah, I think we're going to see the next bull run going to be like even much larger, like from any magnitude that we've seen, and it would be like probably across all the ecosystems, Uh, not only DeFi, like, um, and I'll tell you what, you see a lot of, many of my friends that are super smart, a lot of them go to Web3, some to DeFi, some to other things in Web3, and I think the more people understand, more people go into crypto, and just because of it, there's much more value over there. So yes, you need that the macroeconomics kind of like will all align, but I think in the long term, Always, the market goes up. Uh, so I think that if you ask me, I cannot tell you when it will be. If it will be by the end of the year, when whenever, if they will like decrease interest rate, or if it will be twenty 24, twenty four, twenty twenty five. But in the next, let's say five years, I think there will be much more massive like bull run uh, everywhere. So probably biased. So
0: use it in Grant of all kind of. <laughs> all right. Well. Uh... Yeah, that's um, Archimedes co-founder, Oz Robinovich. So they've just launched this week on uh, Kerpool. So go check them out. I will put uh, links in the description to uh, their socials and where you can find out more details about them. Uh, but yeah, thank you for coming on the show today, Oz.
1: Uh, thank you, Dan. Thank you so much.